My name is John Jones. I am the pastor from our downtown location. Really excited to get to spend time with you this morning and have some of our worship guys up here uh, showing you kind of what we're going to be doing down there. If you are watching online right now, if you're participating with us, welcome. We are excited to have you with us. Um, all that said, this week is going to be a fun week. We're going to be talking a little bit about loneliness. Uh, now, when I said loneliness, fun and loneliness probably didn't sound like they fit together too well. Uh, but here's what Darren introduced to us last week. He said that when we leave things in our life, issues undiscussed, they become highways of dysfunction. Now, now, do you know that in your own life? Have you ever experienced that? Has there ever been something that you just kind of like push below the surface, whether it was as a family, whether it was, you know, with your spouse or with a friend, you push it below the surface and all of a sudden everything kind of starts short circuiting inside of your life? We believe that is definitely true, but we also believe the converse is true as well, that issues that are discussed, that are brought into the light, they are highways toward healing and health inside of Jesus. And so this morning, we want to talk about loneliness because it is one of the most common things that you and I will all experience. It's also one of the things that we don't like to talk about. So this morning, we're going to talk about that and what that means. Now, we always say this. This is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. This is the place where we are a people in progress together. You're never too far from God never too far from God, to experience life change through Jesus this morning. And maybe a little caveat on that, maybe you're, you're never too close to God either to need a little bit more life change through Jesus Christ. Am I right on that? So this morning, we are going to dive into it a little bit. We're going to be talking about what it means to redefine the way you interact with family in order to combat loneliness inside of your lives. But before we get there, would you guys be willing to pray with me real fast? Father, we, uh, we stand on holy ground right now, God, because we know you are present in this place. God, we know that you desire health and healing for each of us, even in the dark and crazy corners of our hearts that we're really scared to give up to you, Lord. So many of us have experienced loneliness, and so this morning, give us courage as we talk about it, to be able to engage with it on a heart level and to see our, our hearts and our minds and our lives change, that we might become a community that combats loneliness in our midst. God, give me words to speak that are from you and not from myself. We love you. Amen. Um, well, I don't know if you've ever experienced this in your family relationships. And, and I should pause and tell you this. Like, when I say family, there's a bunch of us in the room that are like, hey, I'm single, or my family lives far away, or something like that. Family can mean a lot of things, right? It can mean the, the family that you were born into, kind of your, your, your birth family, family of origin. It could mean the family that you've committed to. Some of us have, have chosen to make commitments, lifelong commitments with another person to be able to say, hey, I want to become family with you. And then there's families of choice, right? That the people that we bring into our lives, the friends that we count as family. And I don't know if you've ever been in one of those kinds of relationships and had to experience the emotion of loneliness. What does it feel like? Well, it feels like being misunderstood, right? It feels like isolation. It feels like you're the square peg, peg that can't fit in the round hole, right? And the wild thing is that we know that emotion, and, and all of us cognitively be like, yeah, I know loneliness. I, I've seen it. But I think sometimes we're most afraid to admit that it happens in the tightest of relationships in our lives. Think about with your spouse. Have you ever had those moments where it feels like there's a distance between the two of you? And that distance kind of grows a little bit, and then all of a sudden it lasts not just one week, but maybe two weeks, and then all of a sudden a month, and all of a sudden you feel a deep sense of loneliness in the one relationship that you chose to be most committed to. 
Have you ever had distance from your family members, the ones that you know are, are ride or die for life, the ones who would be with you if you were ever, anything horrible was happening, yet you feel distance from your parents even when you're growing? Have you ever felt distance from your siblings in, in the way where it feels like either they were so much better than you or like good and that you just couldn't touch it and all of a sudden that kind of like, that creates this gap where you feel misunderstood by your family? Have you ever felt it with your tightest friends? When all of a sudden, something that was just meant as like a harmless jab at another person turns into a deep cut, and those deep cuts compile on one another, and all of a sudden it feels like there's some misunderstanding, and it widens, and you become lonely, even amongst all your friends. Well, last week, there was a quote that Darren brought up from Erwin McManus. He's one of my favorite pastors on the planet, one of my former pastors from Southern California, actually. And he said this, one of the greatest evidences of your connection to God is how you connect with other people. One of the greatest evidences of your connection to God is how you connect to other people. And what Erwin's saying is echoing what Jesus said, because Jesus told us, hey, the way that the world is going to know who you are, the way the world will know that you're a disciple of me, is by the way that you love one another. See, there's something about the quality of love that we show one another or give to one another that somehow tells people that we're different, which might mean that inside of those who follow Jesus, inside this big family of faith, those of us who have said, hey, Jesus, we will chase after you, that somehow it changes what we do with our sense of love and with our sense of connection. And so what you would expect then is that we would never feel loneliness because of that, right? That, that we would never have to experience it, especially in church. Have you ever walked into the building and felt lonely? The place where you know you're not supposed to, where you know that anybody would be willing to shake your hand and say hello, that anybody would be willing, hey, how's your week going? And yet deep inside of you, you just feel this sense of like you're 100 feet away from wherever that's at. That's not something that in the church we want to admit very often. Uh, but I think it's probably a more common experience than we realize. And we know, right, from the very first chapter of the creation poem that God says that, that man, it's not good for him to be alone, right? That we should be with other people, that somehow we're designed for a sense of intimacy that we all seem to be able to fumble at different points. Well, I know one of the points in my life where I felt it, um, when I just met my wife's family, and uh, I'm meeting my in-laws, and, and they love water sports. And when I say they love water sports, I mean they love water sports, right? Like my father-in-law will wake up at like 5 in the morning to go barefooting every single morning. They have a house on a lake here and a house on a lake up in Canada as well, right? They are the family that wants to get on the water the first chance they get every morning. I remember one of the first times I went to stay at their house, and it was like, 8.30 in the morning, I had just woken up, they're like, hey, do you want to get on the water right now? And I'm like, no, I do not. I would rather have some coffee right now, right? And, and the wild thing is they're all really good. See, my father-in-law can literally get on any board, and he can just get behind a boat and just, just surf forever, ride forever. My brother-in-law looks like he's like a video game character. He can do flips and tricks behind a boat. My sister-in-law is one of the most naturally talented water people you've ever met in your lifetime. My wife will rock it across, and there's nothing more demoralizing than having my dear sweet wife destroy me on the water, right? <laughs> and so when I first met them, my wife said, hey, if you're going to be in this family, you're going to have to learn pretty quickly how to be on the water. And so I tried really hard, right? You know, I, I went out, and every time they're like, hey, you want to go out? I'm like, it's 830. Yes, I'm, gonna, I'm so excited. I've just been waiting all morning to get on the water, guys. We go out, and you get in that water. It gets a little cold, right? 
And you're just sitting there going, oh boy, this is all for the family. This is all to be a part of what's happening here, right? And I remember, it might have been the first, might have been the second time I was out there. I, I get out behind them, behind the boat on, on the wakeboard, and I am just not what we would call um, good at water sports. Um, my family, our idea of water sports was like an inflatable pool in the backyard. And so I'm really good at sitting in water. Turns out I'm not so great at being on top of water, moving around a little bit. Um, and so I get out there and I'm giving it my all. And every single time my face goes like this into the water. Turns out when you hit the water like that enough times, it kind of gives you like little concussions here and there. And I'm just like, don't let the concussion stop you, John. Keep moving, right? Keep going with this. And so, you know, you get a little off when your eyes are like this and you're kind of moving. And so I go one last time to try it. And my whole body, the, the, the tip of the board catches. And I just go, boom, straight into the water, slam my side into it. And I remember all of them circling around the boat going, ooh, you, are you okay? Do you want to get out? And I'm like, you're part of the family. Try to say no. So I'm like, just Give me one second, wind is knocked out of me. I'm like, <laughs> sucking in the air. And the hard part was, is that after that, I became really skittish to be on the water for a couple of years, as one might, right? But as I became skittish, it reduces the level of intimacy, right? Have you ever had that, where you take a chance, you do something that you're not all that, you know, naturally inclined toward, and it bites you? You ever had the moment where with friends or with family, you try to step into the center or something and it just feels like it hurts. And all of a sudden it causes you to pull back even further. And so the natural intimacy that you thought you were creating ends up being something that creates loneliness in a stronger and stronger way. Um, I, I think in the Bible, the Bible talks about loneliness in, in a book that you wouldn't most expect, and it's the book of Galatians. Um, you can pull out, if you've got an analog Bible with you, you want to open that paper thing up. Uh, if you've got a digital Bible and you want to click it on, I won't think you're chasing, uh, checking your Instagram right now. Uh, we're going to put it up on the screens as well. But in the book of, of Galatians, Paul is writing to his friends in Galatia. And he's sending them a letter because he helps them start this church. And all of a sudden, he's sending them a letter to say, hey, you know what you guys have done is that you're supposed to be a community that loves and accepts and embraces and takes people in and, and helps people to move toward Jesus. And instead, what you've done is you've moved back to a system of rules. You've moved back to a place where rules are the way that you know who's in the club and who's out of the club. Who's a part of this church? Who's not a part of this church? It's all based on rules. And Paul says, Galatia, you're getting it wrong. It's not about the rules. And have you ever noticed that's just a natural human tendency? Like one of the first things we want to know is who's in and who's out, right? And so the way we do it is we start setting up a rule. And if you don't match that rule perfectly, it's like, well, out of the club. Oh, you hit the rule? Come on in, right? And so he's talking to them about that a little bit. And in the middle of it, there's kind of a set of passages that I think addresses loneliness. And we'd miss it because Paul's language is a little, shall we say, dense. So let's read through it. And I'll help you guys kind of compress it down, and then we'll take a look at what that means for how we redefine loneliness in our lives. So in Galatians chapter 3, I'll give you a second to click across to it, verse 26 through 29, the Apostle Paul says this, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs 
according to the promise. Now, pause for a second. Uh, this set of verses, you're looking at it going like, I, I, don't, I don't see it yet. Well, we're not there yet. But I want you to, to know what he's saying right here. He's saying, hey, when you decided to follow Jesus, because of what Jesus did for you, you are automatically entered into the family of faith. You get to be a part of all of us right here. And so what he's saying is that when that happens, there is a sense of equality that descends upon us inside of the church. A sense of equality that is not based on whether you're super competent or incompetent, whether you're a guy or whether you're a girl. It's not based on any of the external things we normally divide by. And he says that in the church, we should be one of those places where because of Jesus, we are most found to be equal. And because of that, we're heirs to all the things that God has promised us, okay? So that's kind of the simplistic understanding of this. Now, go on to the next verse in Galatians 4, verse 1. It says this, What I am saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, Jesus sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And once you are his child, God made you also an heir. Okay, pause for a second. Now, there's a lot of talk about heirs and what it means to be like, you're, you're, you got all the inheritance, but you don't have it. Think about it this way. Uh, do you remember what happens to, to Batman, to Bruce Wayne, early in his life? His parents die, right? And, and he's left with what? The Wayne family fortune. We're all on the same page. No Batman fans in the room? Okay, we're all on the same page. Oh, that's right, I hear the little laughter, okay? He gets the Wayne family fortune. Now, can he use the Wayne family fortune the way the Wayne family fortune should be used just yet? No, right? And who is his guardian and caretaker that helps kind of shepherd him and guide him into becoming the Batman? Alfred, there we go. First service was like, I don't know. Was it Superman? I don't know who helped him out. I was like, Philistines. Um, all that said, what this passage is saying is something similar to that. It's like when we live under rules and when we try to divide and set ourselves up by rules, we live as if under a caretaker saying, no, that's, that's not quite the way it works. But when you grow into faith, you hit a point where all of a sudden you're adult-like in your faith and you know what it looks like to show grace and to show love and to understand equality under faith, right? Now, here, though, inside of this passage, there's the little trick and hint under the surface. There's a parallelism in the Greek that you might have missed, and it would be totally normal for you to miss it, but it unlocks a little bit of what it means to find loneliness and to destroy loneliness. So check this out. In those verses, there's a parallel where it says God sent. It says God sent his son, born of a woman. And then it says later on, and oh, well, it says right there that we might receive adoption of sonship. And then later on, it says God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, to call, uh, the spirit who calls out Abba Father. Now, what Paul is pointing out is something that I think we all know intuitively but miss out a lot of times. There's a difference between being a member of something and there's a difference between experiencing something. Now, Paul is telling them, hey, you are all members. You're all members of God's family because of Jesus. There is no doubt about that. What Jesus did made it possible that you are now a part of this big family. But he's saying, 
But God also sent his son that you might experience what it means to feel and to be a part of this family of God. I think a lot of times most of us stop at the first half, right? Hey, I accepted Jesus into my heart, and, and, and I'm good to go. I'm a part of the family of God. And yet we're like, man, I just feel like I'm lonely in faith. and Like I'm not catching it. And I wonder if that's partially because we have underestimated the power that is living inside of us. Maybe we've underestimated even what the Holy Spirit is meant to do for us every single day. See, when God says he sends the Spirit, he's saying it's possible, it's possible for you to to become a part of this family and it's possible for you to miss the entire reason you're in the family and just have to stay under this caretaker of laws and rules because you're not stepping in to what it feels like to experience relationship. Now, what's fascinating is that he's about to, in a couple chapters, tell us more about what it means then to move away from kind of the old way of rules and stuff and to step in to experiencing. But before we get there, so when I was in junior high, um, I wasn't always as charming and wonderful as I am now. That's a joke, by the way. Um, When I was in junior high, I had hair that kind of looked like flock of seagulls. Some of you old enough to remember, basically hair that went straight up like this. Um, and then I had glasses that were like this, and my parents didn't really do a good job of shepherding me into the fact that glasses could be cool, so I just chose these big chunky wire things that I thought might be cool. And then for some of us in the room, uh, some guys of a certain age, we might remember No Fear t-shirts. You remember those things? Do you, like these t-shirts where on the back it would have like a slogan like, second place is the first loser. And so then for you know, a junior high boy, you're like, yeah, that's right, second place is the first loser. And so like I put on this t-shirt and my family would be like, all right, we're gonna go to the mall to do like back school shopping or something. And so you know, I'm like 13 years old, and the number one thing on my mind is like, well, how are the girls at the mall going to be able to pick me out if I'm with my family? That'd be a horrible idea. And so we always did this thing where, <laughs> where when I would walk into the mall, uh, and, and if some of you guys do this still, pardon to you, but, you know, I, I used to like, they would start walking and I would just basically stand in place, let them get about 10 feet away from me, and then I would just start slow walking as if I was just a man about the mall by myself, right? 13-year-old with a flock of seagull hair, right? And what I was doing is I was making a choice toward myself and toward my own preferences, saying, hey, you know, family, I know that you are the people who I'm supposed to be with and who I'm supposed to have a relationship with and be a part of, but I'm going to let you guys get some distance from me because I feel like it might get a little bit messy if there was a pretty lady here that wanted to talk to somebody in a No Fear t-shirt, right? And my choice toward self started creating a distance from my family. Now, here's the wild thing. My family is amazing. My family is incredible. And at and, and no time would they have ever made me personally feel a distance or made me feel lonely, but I made a choice toward loneliness and a choice toward distance apart from my family. And then chapter five of Galatians, I'm gonna allow you to jump forward real quick or click forward. Chapter five, he's gonna tell us a little bit about what that means and what that looks like. He says this in verse 13 of chapter five. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, for you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. 
What this passage is pointing toward is destroying the kind of practice that I, as a junior higher, used to do, right? Of setting that distance between myself because I was more worried about my own personal sense of desire. And instead, what this passage points toward is saying this, is that the contrary, the difference between choosing yourself is choosing to serve and love another human being. Now, serving and loving is something that we all affirm in here, right? We'll all be like, yeah, let's serve, let's love, let's do this. But why is it that it feels like when we talk about it and when we try to practice it, they don't always happen the same way, right? Because although we would affirm it, when we step into doing it, it feels a little too messy, if I'm really honest, right? Just for the record, I don't have this whole loneliness and how to combat it thing figured out, but I'll tell you this, I'm really, really good at choosing myself. I'm pretty good at selfishness. I'm kind of like a pro at it. I've been working at it my whole lifetime. And so I do know this, that when it comes time to serve, oftentimes I sit there going like, man, if that other person, if they're a little weird or a little bit messy, I'm not confident that I really want to spend time with them. I, I, I feel awkward personally. And then if I feel awkward personally, I want to run away because much like Darren was talking about last week, I'm also an Enneagram 7. I fear awkwardness and I fear that sense of like pain. I'm like, if pain is coming at me, I'm like, woof, we'll just sidestep and let it go beside, right? For some of you, it might look a little different. It might look like you're sitting there saying, hey, I don't really want to serve or love somebody else unless they're able to step up to the same level that I'm at because I've kind of figured things out and I want, I want them to step up as well. Maybe you're one of those people who's like, hey, you know, if they could achieve to that level, then I would definitely let them in the door. Maybe, maybe you're looking at them saying, hey, you, you don't have enough knowledge to understand what that's like, and I would really worry being in relationship with you without that. Or, or maybe you're, you're sitting there saying, I'm not positive you'll be loyal enough, and maybe that will end up hurting me in the long term. Whatever it is, there's a sense of messiness that keeps us apart from other people. Paul, later on in the same chapter, in verse five, or chapter 5, verses 22 through 23, he tells us what it looks like when we start serving one another. He says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, is joy, it's peace, it's forbearance, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness and gentleness. It is self-control against such things. Against such things, there is no law. Now, Think about it this way. Earlier on, we talked about churches and, and just people in general like to set up rules to know who's in and out of the club. And what, what Paul is saying is that because of the Holy Spirit, if you choose to love other people, you're going to start seeing these things pour out of your life. You're going to see joy and love pour out. You're going to see peace and you're going to see a sense of kindness and goodness pervade yourself. And no one will ever have to wonder whether you're a part of the club because there is no rule for peace and love. There's only the sense that you have been so close to God and the Holy Spirit has done something so deep in you that all of a sudden you step in and you no longer have to worry about the rules. Now, how does this combat loneliness? That's the question, right? Well, if loneliness is partially a choice towards self to remove yourself, to, to, to move away from the awkwardness, then a movement away from loneliness is stepping into that sense of choosing another person. See, when we stepped in, you're probably thinking, how do I destroy my own loneliness? The key to the puzzle is that you cannot destroy your own loneliness. The key to the puzzle is that you can only have somebody else do it for you. See, when you try to destroy your own loneliness, you're only pursuing selfishness further. But what you can do is you can step into relationship. What, did, what does the Bible tell us? Where does it tell us the Holy Spirit is located? Right here in this room. Those people to your left and to your right, behind you and before you, all of those people, that is where the Holy Spirit is located. This church is the body 
of God himself, the body of Christ, right here. And so when you want to experience what it feels like to step into relationship and away from loneliness, it requires you to be the person who helps destroy another person's loneliness by embracing their awkward and their messiness, right? And taking it in and instead becoming the person who says, hey, I, even if I feel a sense of distance, I will be the person that steps in and destroys it. And by so doing, I think what you will find is that your own loneliness comes crumbling down by the proximity of other humans to you. So what's fascinating then this morning is asking yourself the question, what kind of messiness do you need to choose for your own life? What kind of messiness do you as a family, as a couple, as friends, what kind of messiness do you need to embrace? Is it the messiness of, of stepping in and trying to have the tough conversations that you've been worried about? Is it the messiness of serving and loving somebody who just does not deserve it? Is it the messiness of, of giving your kids one more chance? Is it the messiness of being willing to humble yourself and do something for another person that just makes you squirm? One of the greatest evidences, we started with this, one of the greatest evidences of your connection to God is how you connect to other people. See, we are pursuing a little bit of that with our church planting, right? Downtown, Darren and I are about to plant a church in three weeks. And I'll tell you this. So yesterday, hopefully you were able to get out and enjoy the weather. We were downtown at German Fest. And when we were down at German Fest, there's about 8,000 people there. And the Athenaeum had said, hey, come have a table. Tell them about your church. And we're like, really? Yeah, okay, okay we'll do that. And so we printed up uh, beer koozies because you're at a German beer festival. So what would people need? Well, they need a beer koozie, right? We printed them up. says Mercy Road on them. and says, hey, you can find us right here every Sunday at the Athenaeum. And so we start handing them out to people, right? And, and people are like, is a church handing me a beer koozie? And we're like, yeah, that's right. We are like, you're my kind of church. We're like, yes, we are. And, uh, and yet here's the funny thing is not every conversation was that simple and that easy. Um, there are some conversations where people would walk up and within seconds, you knew that this one was going to be a messy one. This is going to be the kind of one where it just gets awkward real fast so we can tell this personality is not the personality that I jive with at all. And yet for us, stepping into that messiness to help break down their sense of loneliness and to offer them the ability to step into the family of God is worth every second of awkwardness in our lives. And so for you this morning, what's the messiness that you need to step into? Is it, is it family? Is it friends? Is it children? Is it, is it spouse? Is it church? Chase down those places and trust that the Holy Spirit that works inside of you is capable of knitting you together with other human beings in a way that gives you a sense of fulfillment and relationship that you never could have had any other direction. Why don't you guys bow your heads and pray with me? Father, we are people who want to chase after you. God, we want to see our hearts and our lives become whole. We want to see uh, our, ourselves become knitted together with others. Lord, we want the intimacy of relationship. We know, God, that you said it's not good for people to be alone. And God, we don't want to be alone either. God, inside of our most intimate of relationships, our marriages, would you heal us? God, inside of our families, would you bring a sense of connection and knit together the families in our midst? God, would you heal friendships? Father, even inside of our church community, will you break down the walls of loneliness? That we might be a place where we are known for our sense of humility 
and service toward others. We're the place, God, where we love so well that others know that we are the ones that follow you. God, thank you for allowing us to talk about these things with you. Thank you for being the one who always pursues us. It's in your name, God, that we ask all these things. Amen.